Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. No, this morning we get, we get to begin a new series, a new journey that's going to take us through the end of this, this year, and it's called Unashamed. I gave you a little uh, sneak peek at that a couple of weeks ago, and it's going to be based on Romans chapter 1, not Nehemiah chapter 1, but Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. We'll read that here in a moment. I want you to try to memorize those two. Uh, really big on memorizing scripture these days. Get it into your mind, get it into your heart. And these are two verses worth memorizing, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Through the Unashamed series, we're going to make an acrostic out of the word unashamed, and we'll be going over a different topic uh, surrounding the theme unashamed each week. This week, of course, we're talking about being unashamed. Next week, Dan will be preaching on a new creation, then all in, set apart, heaven bound, aware of the lostness around us, followed by missional, enduring, and we're going to end 2019 talking about being a disciple maker. Next year, we're going to be full-on disciple-making gurus. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. So, have you ever, I shouldn't even ask this because the answer is yes. It's a rhetorical question. Have you ever been ashamed? Yeah, everybody, everybody at some point in their life has been ashamed, whether it's something you've done you shouldn't have done or something you said you shouldn't have said or something you should have done or should have said that you didn't and you feel ashamed about it i remember one time when i was just a little boy probably not much older than easton and i said some things i shouldn't have said uh i started mowing our yard when i was about easton's age we had a big old yard lived on the middle of this farm and on the far end near the end of the driveway away from the house we had this big old walnut tree and I had to mow around this tree. And, of course, I was only like seven years old on an old Murray lawnmower. You know, I wasn't real good at it. Couldn't even reach the clutch pedal. But anyway, I was mowing around this walnut tree, and one of them walnut branches swooped me right in the head. And I said some choice words that I, I'm not sure where I learned, but as I circled back around the tree, I saw my little bitty mother standing on our porch. And she was going just like this. <laughs> and I thought, how in the world did she hear me over top of this lawnmower on the far end of the yard? Needless to say, I was very unashamed at what, what I'd just done. But more than that, I was scared to death about what was getting ready to happen. And then there's, <laughs> I got to thinking of other examples. Everybody's had the dream. Why, I don't know. But the dream I'm talking about, I had when I was... I don't know, sometime in school, and, and I, I dreamed about going to school, and I'm sitting there in class in this dream, and you've all had this dream. Don't act like I'm weird. You've all had the same dream. Sitting there at school, and you look down, and I've got on a shirt, and that's all. <laughs> you've had this dream before, and all of a sudden, in your dream, you are so ashamed, aren't you? You should be. Adam and Eve were ashamed when they realized they were naked. 
We've all been ashamed. My question, though, this morning is why are so many Christians ashamed of Christ? What I mean by that is LifeWay Research Studies found that 80% of those who attend church one or more times a month believe they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. That's pretty good. But 61%, almost two-thirds, have not told another person about how to become a Christian in the previous six months. Two-thirds of Christians have not told somebody else how they became a Christian and how they can become a Christian in the past six months. What are we ashamed of? My goal for this series to get you through the end of 2019 and going into 2020 is for you to stand boldly and be able to say, as the Apostle Paul said, I am unashamed. I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ. This morning, we're going to be giving the introduction to this, and we'll be looking primarily at Romans 1, 16 and 17. And on Sunday night, starting next week, because tonight's trunk or treat here at the church, but starting next Sunday night, we're going to be looking at practical ways that we can share our faith and share the gospel. So I highly encourage you to attend on Sunday night here at the church. Next week, Brother Tom is going to be sharing a, a method that he has used. It's tried and true over the past however many years old he is. And uh, we'll also be looking at share Jesus without fear and learning how to answer some of these questions that people have. And when, somebody, when you try to share your faith... And somebody says, well, what about this? We're going to learn how you respond to those through God's word. Let's look at Romans 1, 16 and 17. Memorize these, please. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Let's walk through these verses and, and, and dig into what Paul's saying here. First he says, I'm not ashamed. Understand where Paul is at in life right here. Paul has been a Christian for a little over 20 years at this point. And he's been on all three of his major missionary journeys going out around that area of the world, planting churches, mentoring pastors, sharing the gospel. And what he does not realize as he writes this letter to the Romans, that he's about 10 years away from the end of his life. He's about 10 years from having his head cut off for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, he's still getting older in life, 20 years after being saved, he's still as fired up as he was the day that Jesus stopped him on the road to Damascus. Now, in our mind, we think, well, it's time for this dude to start slowing down, right? It's time to retire and head to the beach and go fishing every day or pick up seashells or whatever it is you want to do, watch Dr. Phil, I don't know. But Paul is a veteran Christian at this point. He has paid his dues to the church and to the kingdom. It's time to sit back and let the young folk take over and, and, and take the reins. But not only that, I would say most of us, if we're honest, would have stopped long before we got to this point in Paul's life. Paul hasn't spent the last 20 years sitting in the pews, getting spiritually obese, and just sick. Soaking it all in. Paul's past 20 years of being a Christian has been pretty rough. Now, granted, he's seen a lot of awesome things, and he's seen a lot of people come to Christ, and a lot of 
uh, great men and women rise to the occasion, but it's been a hard journey for Paul up to this point. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul wrote this just before he wrote the letter to the Romans. And he reminds them, he says, Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Now, I wouldn't want to do that once. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Now, that is being hit with rocks. That's not the kind of stoning you think of today. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. Not to mention the other things, there's a daily pressure on me which is my concern for all the churches. All of this, and Paul still has the gall to stand and say, I am unashamed of my Lord. They can beat me. They can try their best to kill me. I don't care if I go without. I have learned, Paul will tell us in Philippians, the key to contentment, whether with a little or if I have a lot, that is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm unashamed. But look at us. <laughs> We've got it pretty good. We really got it made as Christians in the Western world. The most suffering that most of us do is making ourselves crawl out of bed to go to church on Sunday morning. Maybe every now and then somebody says a little something off color to us because of our faith and we get our little feelings hurt. Folks, the Western church has to grow up and mature. If Paul can say after all that he's experienced that I'm not ashamed, man, surely to goodness we can say and live like we're unashamed. But don't stop there. Let's look. Paul says I am unashamed, but notice what it is he's ashamed, unashamed of. And that's the gospel. Some translations add the gospel of Christ. Same thing. But what is the gospel? The gospel simply is the good news. It starts not just when Jesus came in the four gospels. The gospel actually starts all the way back in the very beginning when God created everything that there is. And he said it was good. And he created man and he said now it's very good. And then mankind sinned against God. And we brought into God's creation through our sin, we brought about all the chaos, all the destruction, all the disappointment, all the devastation. Have you ever seen any of those things in your own life? It's a result of sin. And it came through our sin. And to beat it all, if all of those effects of sin is not enough, the Bible says we now deserve hell forever. But here's the good news in all that. But God, in His grace, in His love and mercy, loved this world enough that He sent His only begotten Son. And Jesus came, and He lived a sinless life. He was like us in every regard, except He did not sin against God. And He died. He was crucified because of our sins. And He was buried, and He rose three days later. And now He sits at the right hand of God. That is the gospel from beginning to end. Oh, 
And he's coming back. You got to add that part on there in too. He's coming back. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not ashamed. And we shouldn't be either. You know, we make the gospel. Paul keeps it pretty simple. We make it so difficult. I remember a friend of mine, he did not know anything about God, nothing about the Bible, nothing about church. And he got saved. I mean, radically saved, converted. And he knew, he didn't know much, to be honest with you, but he knew this. He knew, I need to tell somebody about what God has done to me, how Jesus has saved me. And he had another lost friend. They were driving down the road. He said, man, I just want to tell you what's happened to me. And he begins to explain how God had come into his life, and he had prayed and received Christ, and he didn't really know what Bible verses to quote. And, you know, he's saying, I'm pretty sure if God did that to me, he can do that to you too. And, 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 and they started to cry and stuff. And he said, I'm not sure what we're supposed to do, but I think we need to pull over and pray now. And so that guy got saved. It's not really as complicated as we make it. If we're going to be unashamed of the gospel, it has to start with us experiencing that gospel firsthand. Paul gives us the what? He's unashamed of the gospel. And now he gives us the why. Notice the next phrase. Because it is the power of God for salvation to who? To everyone who believes. Now when you consider our situation, you consider our lostness, how we were so far from God. We, the Bible Paul says in Ephesians, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. We might as well have been dead. We were doomed to hell. We were so depraved that there was nothing we could do on our own to solve this problem, to get rid of our sinfulness. We're spiritually dead. But the gospel says, the good news says, that there is a Savior. There's one who Paul says here has the power to change us from the inside out, and that he alone is the way for us to be saved. Dead in our sins. We are, when we're apart from Christ, just dead men and women walking. It's pitiful. It's hopeless. But just as the gospel says, as Christ himself was raised from the dead, we can be raised with Christ to walk in a new way of life. Only the power of God has the ability to do something like that in somebody's life. And then Paul says, it's this salvation. It's, who's it available to? To everyone who believes. God gave His Son so that whosoever, everyone who believes in Him should not perish should not stay dead, should not have to go to hell forever, but could have everlasting life. Guess what? You are a whosoever. I am a whosoever. And if you believe in Him, it, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter all the mistakes that you've made. It don't matter what your past looks like. Honestly, it don't even matter what your present looks like. You can be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. He offers salvation to anyone who believes. Anyone that wants to be saved, I believe, can be saved. Now, when that happens to you, here's what should happen next. You should not be able to help 
but tell somebody what has happened to you. <laughs> uh, the evangelism guy from the KBC came down last couple weeks ago and visited with us, went out to lunch, and we were talking about, you know, how Rock House is a pretty evangelistic church. Let's be honest. We like to share the gospel. And he asked me, he said, Pastor, how, how do you explain why you're so evangelistic? I hadn't really even thought about it, to be honest with you. So I sit there a minute eating my Subway sandwich. I said, man, I guess I just ain't got over the fact that Jesus saved me. And I want other people to know about it. Charles Spurgeon said, while others are congratulating themselves, I have to lie humbly at the foot of Christ's cross and marvel that I'm saved at all. <laughs> That's why I want people to know about Jesus. He saved me. And when Jesus gets a hold of you, when you've truly been saved and you realize, one, the price that he paid for your salvation and how he rescued you from death and hell and has given you everlasting life, you, and he's made you a child of God, you want that for other people. You want other people to be saved and to go to heaven too. I, that's why I get up here and preach every week. That's why we round people up and we go down to Brazil and tell them how they can be saved too. That's why we do all these ministries, why we go out into the hollers and to the hills and why we uh, give people food and, and put shoes on people's feet and all this other stuff so we can tell them about a God that loves them. I want people to know what I know. I want people to experience what I've experienced. I want it for my friends and for my family and for my wife and for Easton and Audrey and someday their children and someday their children's children. And I'll be honest with you. If you don't really want that for everybody else, I'm not so sure you've been saved at all. And we need to talk. But here's the good news of the gospel. Even if that's you, the gospel says you can be saved. Paul gives us the what, the who, the why. He's unashamed because it's God's power for salvation. And somebody may be sitting here wondering, well, how? How does this all work? Now Paul gives us the how in verse 17. Verse 17 says, for in it, for in salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And he quotes, a, uh, he quotes an Old Testament prophet by the name of Habakkuk there. I remember when I was a young kid, me and Caitlin were in Sunday school together, and our Sunday school teacher every week at the end of Sunday school would do what we call Bible drills. And she would give us a verse in the Bible, and you'd have to turn there as quick as you could, and the first one that found it got a prize. I can't remember, candy or a dollar or something like that. And so I always wanted to beat Caitlin on Bible drills, you know. She was the second best. I was the best. <laughs> Depending on the week. But anyway, every now and then she'd give us a verse from Habakkuk. And the way she said Habakkuk, I'd never forget it. She'd always say, Hackaback. Hackaback 2-3 or whatever it was. And Paul quotes from old Hackaback here. The righteous will live by faith. It's a strange phrase that Paul uses in the English. From faith to faith. What's that mean? Well, it simply means from beginning to the end, from the start to the finish, and all the way through, our salvation is by faith. 
your righteousness in the sight of God is not just about your behavior, but it's about your faith in Christ's righteousness, which God can now see in you. And so from faith to faith, it means, if you want to apply that, it means you can't earn your salvation. It means you can't be good enough to deserve your salvation. It means that you are, as Paul will say in Ephesians, saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves. It is a free gift that comes through Jesus Christ, and you must accept it in faith. It takes faith for us to go forward now and be unashamed. Faith will save you, but faith also will help you as you grow in Christ to be unashamed. Faith to me is a lot like this. We use the word believe a lot in the English, but faith is even a little deeper than that. Has anybody ever been to Niagara Falls? Yeah, a, couple, yeah, a few people. Wow. I've, I've never been. That's good. I'm glad you have. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I'm just kidding. So everybody knows what Niagara Falls is. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of people throughout history who've wanted to do these really cool tricks with Niagara Falls, go over it in a barrel or walk across it on a tightrope. And our faith is a lot like this tightrope walker. Imagine, imagine that. Imagine one walking across the tightrope just right down through here. Imagine doing that over Niagara Falls. Imagine standing there in the crowd, and you're watching this guy walk back and forth on this tightrope. And then one time he comes back, and he gets one of those little wheelbarrows. You've probably seen this. And he's walking across, pushing this wheelbarrow across the tightrope. And he does it a few times. You're like, wow, that's, that's pretty good. This guy's got some skill. And then he says, who wants to take a ride in my wheelbarrow? And you're like, no think so, Jack. But you watch as people get in the wheelbarrow and they go across Niagara Falls. And he comes back and finally he looks at you and says, you're like the only one left. He says, why don't you get in the wheelbarrow? Now, you believe that he can do this. You have watched him do this for other people. But faith is actually getting into the wheelbarrow and going across. You see, that's how our faith works. That's how the gospel works. There is this great chasm, much greater than Niagara Falls, that separates us from God. And the only way across is to go with the tightrope walker, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you've seen people go across before. Maybe you believe that he can do that. And you think, well, maybe he could even do that with me if I just hold on tight and don't move. But you've never taken the step to get into the wheelbarrow. Some of y'all need to take that step this morning. I've asked my bride to come and share a brief testimony with us this morning about being unashamed and how this has played out in her life. So when Tyler first started speaking to me about this unashamed series, he was trying to figure out what he needed to do with it. And we talked about how it would be awesome if people would begin to share their testimonies of how they're unashamed. And I think I scared them because I said, me, me, let me be first. And that's just not me. Um, but I finally got to the point where I've jumped in the wheelbarrow <laughs> uh, for Jesus. So living unashamed is something that's it's pretty new in my life. Um, my journey to living unashamed actually began in February of this year. And if you were at the women's conference, I'm sorry in advance. I'm sharing a lot of what I spoke about there. Um, but it began in February of this year. Do y'all remember that flood? Okay. I don't think I'll ever forget that flood. 
um, it came at a crazy time. Tyler was gone to Brazil. He was having the time of his life. He was witnessing and he was seeing people come to Jesus and him and Dan were having a great time and me and Kristen were dying at home. No, we were fine. But we had to flee. We had to flee our house. Um, we were out of our home for about, I think, 19 days. Um, we were staying with my mom, traveling back and forth from Barberville to Hyden to get Easton to school and to Manchester to work. And it was just a very exhausting, crazy time. Um, during that time, I just really got burned out. I don't know how else to say that. I, I was really tired. I was exhausted. Um, my faith was running low. I was tired of even coming to church, of coming to work. I was just really burned out. And so um, I was like, I have to get away. And I'm not talking like a family vacation. I have to personally just get away and get my thoughts together. But how do you do that? How do you get away as a wife and a mother, um, as a pastor's wife, without concerning everyone? Women's conference. So um, I've been listening to the Daily Audio Bible. It's a podcast. It just He just reads the Bible daily. It's, it's kind of a way that on the way to work I can get the word in. And at the end he... Um, he gives some prayer requests, and he tells about events that the Daily Audio Bible is having. Um, and in that time, he spoke of a women's conference, and it was uh, on one of the weeks that I was already off for work. So I planned to go to this women's conference um, by myself because I really um, didn't even want to speak to anybody at this point. I just wanted to be alone with my thoughts and, and to regain um, some control. <clears throat> But God had brought a verse. We were doing a D group, um, a disciple group, just a, a small group for women. And there was a verse that kept on rolling over in my head that we had mentioned. It was James 5:16, and it says, Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So I felt urged to ask a friend. I ended up asking Kristen to go to this conference with me. Um, and long story short, on the way to Georgia, um, and once we got to Georgia, God was just dealing with us about all of the stuff that we were still hanging on to. I really had never even thought that I was hanging on to this stuff. I had been saved since I was seven. I can remember the day that I was saved in my home. I can remember calling my grandparents and my godparents, and I know that I was saved then. Um, but life happens even after we're saved, and there was just a lot of junk that I had never really confessed to God or to anyone else, and um, he was dealing with me and her both to deal with that. So um, we get to Georgia, and I was really just wanting to take a nap at that point, um, but we went to the first session, and that first session, they spoke immediately about pretty much what James 5.16 says, about how important it is to confess our sins, to, to realize that we're a sinner, to give those to God and to let go. Um, so that evening, we, um, we couldn't make it. They had a little prayer room. We couldn't make it there quick enough. We prayed literally what felt like all night long um, up into the early hours of the morning. Um, and God just, he was just there. We could feel his love and his presence and his forgiveness. Um, and it was during some prayer that I finally was able to release, and that's where the conference name came from. I was finally able to release all of this junk that I had been dragging on with me. Um, Psalms 32, one through five, it says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
How joyful is the man the Lord does not charge with sin, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you took away the guilt of my sin. God forgave me instantly. I left there with just a huge burden off of my shoulders, and I felt so free, and, and I just want to proclaim. I, I can't even explain anything else. I want to proclaim to whoever will listen to me what happened to me and what God can do for you, what is available to you through him and his gift to you. Salvation is a gift. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we have to be good enough and then come to Christ. It's something that we accept. We say, Jesus, I believe that you died, that you rose again, and that you're coming back. You accept that gift, and once you've accepted it, then he begins the change in you. So I urge you not to wait on salvation. Living unashamed has given me a new boldness, and it's given me a fierce desire to witness to those around me. Living unashamed has helped me focus on what's important and to live life with a purpose. Living unashamed has freed me from people's opinions and expectations of me. I am free, I am forgiven, and I can finally say that I'm living unashamed. Maybe you're here this morning, and this is something you've been dealing with. Maybe as a non-Christian, you've been struggling with the shame that, that that brings. Because when you open up God's Word and it tells you this is what God expects and what God wants to see in you, and you realize that's not me, it's shameful. But maybe you are a Christian, and for whatever reason, maybe it's like Caitlin, you've got all this stuff that's been holding you down and holding you back, and you've not been able to live unashamed because you're, you're not free from that stuff. Well, guess what? Today you need to take a trip across the tightrope. And the way that you do that is get into the wheelbarrow, which the wheelbarrow is prayer. And as we close, I want to invite Tom and Ann, if they would, our prayer warriors. They didn't, they didn't know I was doing this. But I would like to invite them to come. And anybody that wants to be prayed with or prayed for this morning, I, listen, I'm telling you, you won't find anybody better to lead you in prayer and communication with God. The Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed. And to quote Phil Robertson, what about you? What about you? Let's stand together. I want to pray for you, then we'll have a time of invitation. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, this morning that speaks so clearly. Lord, no matter where we've come from, no matter what we've done, no matter what our past looks like, through you we can boldly stand and say that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for those who believe. And Father, I pray that as our church moves forward, that every Christian could say, and proclaim that they're not ashamed. They're not ashamed of what you've done for us. We're not ashamed to tell others that they need you. 
and that they can have you through faith. And Father, today, whatever it is that's, that's preventing someone from being able to say that, to live that, God, whether it's the fact that they need a relationship with you, or maybe it's because of just some unconfessed sin or some junk that we've just been hanging on to, some past hurt, something between us and another brother or sister, whatever it is, God, I'm asking that today we confront that and turn it over to you <laughs> so that you could set us free and we'd be free indeed. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. In his name we pray. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.